Salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast, where we scorch the history books and take back the word harlot one episode at a time. This is a show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. And we try not to get too sidetracked with rants about putrid patriarchy. I'm Kara Mia, a mom of three. And I'm Emily, a fur mom of three. So go grab your pork rinds or your kale chips. A glass of wine or a big ol' mug of tea. We're not judging. We will keep you entertained while you wash your dishes, wash your feet, or wash that man right out of your hair. This show also contains alcohol, some very colorful language, and eyebrow raise, sexual content, and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. We're going. Hello. Hi. Welcome, Welcome to Harlands of History. I beat you to it. <laughs> That was the first time in like five episodes we've actually said Harlots of History first. We finally realize that like people knowing who we are is kind of essential <laughs> to starting a podcast. <laughs> Not essential. I'm I'm Molly Sue and <laughs> I'm Peggy Lee. <laughs> this is a late night episode, if you can't tell. Now oh. I'm back to being a stay-at-home bartender and I'm Emily. But that's big news this week. I was staying home bartender again, guys. And so all I have time for is you guys and lots of wine. <laughs> and me. Most importantly, and me. I mean, I always have time for you. And I'm Karamia. I'm kind of a jack of all trades right now. I she cook, makes pizza bites. I clean. I do remote schooling. I drive everyone around. I pick up grocery. I mean, the list is not, I mean, yeah. COVID is changing all of us. It is changing all of us. Um, on that note, really quickly, I just want to say that um, we've been getting a ton of like emails, like Instagram messages from people who have like reached out to us and said some really nice things. And we love you guys so much. Like we started this in quarantine and we're all going back and fucking lockdown again. And we just want you to know we're here for you. We don't know what we can do from our closets and boxes, but we're all in this together, so we'll just we'll just stick it out. We're gonna try to bring you guys some really fun, salacious content, and we are actually getting our Patreon going. We're hoping up mm. in December is our goal. Mm-hmm. But but also um, like again, this is like one of my favorite things about your wrong about podcast is like don't feel obligated to don't like to to pay for us. Like everyone's yeah. going through a really hard time economically right now. So like our stuff on here is like amazing and our Patreon yeah. stuff is going to be amazing too, but it's going to be a, like uh, sometimes a bit more off topic and you'll probably get to know us better. So if you really want to know us, then go to yes, Patreon. Yes, go on Patreon. <laughs> but like, yeah, I agree. I was like, yeah. And, and we are going to, I think, have some really like low dollar things. So if you guys, if it's like, I think like $2 or something a month. Um, yeah. just because we don't like we're broke as fuck. We know you guys probably are too. Like, but we just, um, yeah. And well, like a lot of, we're just going to 
focus on making our free content really salacious and awesome too. And, and, and then if you want to hear my thoughts on Dawson's Creek, <laughs> you can come to our future. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Right? That's literally our, our next episode we're recording. It's, oh, Emily came up, we're, we're coming up with some really fun, like themed ideas for each of us to kind of do like off the cuff. So you could really get us in our unfiltered glory. But Emily just said something really, really cool right before we started recording. So the person that we're doing today is like, just, it's almost like we don't have an emotional investment in this woman and it's almost refreshing. Mm-hmm. And so Emily was just saying like, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of light things this winter, uh, because winter is going to be so dark, literally and not literally. So we just kind of want to tell people, like, we know that there are a lot of pressing matters at hand, but we really just want to feel like we're with you while you're folding yeah. laundry and in your kitchen and just doing dumb stuff. We're like, we're your friends. And we just want to tell you, like, about people just that are Just think of us as Sting and we'll be watching you. <laughs> <laughs> My kids are Every sleeping. breath you take. <laughs> <laughs> my cats are sleeping. Oh my god! Also, thank you to people who have been sending us pictures of their cats, and please keep sending us pictures of your cats. Oh my it's god! Like and and um, we are going to work a way how to incorporate because uh, we took our first request to do an episode that was last week. And my next two episodes I have lined up are actually requests. Well, not my next two, but my next two after our special December month. Which so we're we'll, not we'll do, you. We'll, right. And we will do um, a post about this, but we really want to say when you send in a request, also send in what makes you uh, feel like you are a harlot. And remember, that's like a positive thing for us. A harlot to us is someone who really just doesn't care about the boundaries of society. Like, okay, there are good boundaries. Like, you know, don't break the laws. But like, there are also like Uh, societal boundaries. Some laws, right? Some laws are meant to be broken. But you know, but we were saying like, you know, you've heard us. We love the word harlot. Emily and I like, we say we're harlots and strumpets and trollops and all that good stuff because these are words that we may, merely think uh, describe interesting women. <laughs> I spent three hours yesterday looking up the word strumpet, trollop, and harlot trying to do a word of the day, and I just gave up because it's I, too much. Well, no, they're just all the same thing. It's like Shakespeare used. Then I found an article that was like. 500 ways Shakespeare called women whores. <laughs> I was like, oh God, are you Shakespeare? But you know what? He did it so beautifully. He did. You have a harlot. <laughs> oh yeah. So hey, hey, Emily. <laughs> hey. So who, who is blonde? An author of too many books. Was an inmate in a federal prison for five months. Was the first female self-made billionaire in the U.S. And is the one person my mother would trust to tell her how to host a Thanksgiving. Is it, um, I can't think of anything. Who's, which one's the Kardashian who went to jail? Is it Kim? Oh yeah, Kim went for like a, like a day, right? Okay, is it Kim in a way? No, it's definitely not her. Okay. <laughs> it's Martha Helen Stewart. Her middle name's Helen? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. All right. So... Here's my little prologue for Martha Stewart, because it may be surprising to some that Harlots of History is covering Martha Stewart, but uh, this one's selfishly for me. <laughs> Martha Stewart Living was my mother's favorite magazine while I was growing up. 
I remember the only times we even went to Kmart because I don't really like Kmart. Sorry to people who went to Kmart. But the only time we went to Kmart was to get her home goods line. My siblings and I saved up our money when we were little to get my mom some Christmas decoration from her uh, holiday line. My mom made recipes from her magazines for all of our important meals. I know, right? And we had her on like books on the coffee table and like we caught her on TV when we could. Like my my Martha Stewart was like very present. Like I'm not talking like we didn't talk about her every day, but like she was very present in my childhood. She was and present I, in mine too. My mom's best friend. She calls she calls oh, she calls her move over Martha. Cause she's basically Martha Stewart. Like, cause she was she wanted her to write a book, but she's she's like the embodiment of Martha Stewart. She even kind of looks like her, but like cuter. Not that I don't think Martha Stewart is cute. Yeah. Yeah, She was present in my life too. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, so like, it will not be surprising that like when I was forming a self-identity as an adolescence, I decided that I was going to be nothing like my mother. I refused to be a housewife. Martha Stewart, I thought in all my angst (laughs) was the woman leading the housewives. Now you are making, um, like homemade pizza bites for your children every single day. Shh, stop ruining my prologue. <laughs> You're better than Martha. Oh, and I also had problems with her being like, you know, super rich, privileged, upper class, East Coast, and seemingly unable to relate to the working class. And now here comes the part. Now things have come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, a couple of weeks ago, time. right? Oh, no, that's funny, right? I did make homemade pizza bites the other day. Uh, but a I couple of weeks ago, uh, um, someone who wants pizza bites and Totinos, I know are not like the peak level for pizza bites. It's okay. My new job is a, as a stay-at-home dog mom, a full-time stay-at-home dog mom, is to just make really good um, comfort food. So I'm going to go buy a big uh, bag of flour. Yep, yep. That's all you need. Flour and butter and cheese. Uh, well, vegan butter for Matt. I'm going to still eat the, the real thing. I bought I bought the butter on sale for $1 at King Supers the other day. So I'm all set. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 10 sticks for a dollar. I was like, this is probably Dude, really high quality butter. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. Butter is one of those things I cannot cheap out on. I like only buy the butter. Like, you know, the rolls that say Amish made. That's what I buy. I I used like to the do three too, pound ten dollar rolls. Like that's yeah. Oh, I'm gonna buy those. I usually always buy the grass fed butter, but it's really no. Those are they're amazing. This, this I know this are always in your house. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm doing that next time. Okay, yeah, do it. Okay, so back to Martha. So a couple of weeks ago, I googled what to make with celery, hoping to find a good recipe for soup. Like a good little housewife. <laughs> You are a bad housewife. I know. I mean, you're I am. good at being a housewife, but you're like a bad housewife. That's right. I'm a bad mom, and like, like, yeah, she's a cool, in a bad good mom. way. Yeah, yeah. She, you're so, not. You're not. You're, you're not like other moms. You're a cool mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> but my, but but my nipples are hidden. Thank you. They're um, hidden and they're Martha, real. Right. Oh, sorry. Just talking about my nipples made them super sensitive. <laughs> out you better cut that out sorry i'm not okay going to. Uh, <laughs> so marthastewart.com popped up with 20 recipes to make with celery and they were all unique and delicious and i made a amazing creamy celery soup that sounds good it was celery's so good. on sale in sprouts right now 
It's just, yeah, celery is so cheap. So I bought like a ton of it because I like love to like, I like literally put like a pound of peanut butter on one stalk of celery and I like, it's my go-to snack. So you and I bonded over celery and celery is 98 cents now at Sprouts Market. So we bought eight stalks. <laughs> they looked at all we bought. It was just, oh, like, like, you mean, you mean like, like the chunks of celery, right? Yeah. Not like eight individual stalks, like <laughs> the chunks and they were like, are you guys okay? <laughs> yeah, so we're fine. Okay. Martha Stewart. Celery. Mad <laughs> okay. tooping celery. Uh, so, um, and this was from Martha. And so I decided then and there, like, I was going to research her so I could answer the question. Is Martha Stewart good or bad and or cool? She checks off quite a few boxes to be a harlot, but... We want you to make up your mind whether she's a harlot in the way that we champion or a harlot. No, in the way that harlot. <laughs> or the way Emily says it. Harlot. <laughs> Very aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started on this, ladies. Uh, also, I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of, like, she's not perfect, but I, I fell in love kind of with Martha Stewart while you're researching her. You're going to be a harlot. It's okay. Right. I have, so a, Martha- I have, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, just one thing I know about her. I don't know if you're going to get to oh, it. Tell but me. Maybe tell me. Say- okay. The one thing I know about her is from, do you remember VH1's, what was that show? The VH1 show where it was like, oh, Cribs. No, was it? No, that's MTV. It was like the, the V, oh, The Fabulous Life. The Fabulous Life. Remember that show? Yeah. You never was watched that it? show? They did Very one rare. on Martha Stewart and I remember them doing... I think it was her, but I just remember this. And it's the only thing that's stuck in my mind from like 2004 or whatever, when I watched this, she had like, um, like Rose Quartz driveway or like Rose gold driveway or something. And then every time the car would pull up, they would like take all the driveway out and just put it with regular gravel. That's like the one thing I know about her, remember about her. And I was what? like, that doesn't sound like her. Okay. Well, maybe it wasn't her. Maybe no, she, was, she is excessive. But I feel like that's definitely Snoop Dogg. It, it might have been like not every time a car came in, it was like when they had guests over or when it was like muddy or rainy or oh, something. That, that totally sounds like her. Okay. That's then that was it. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Continue. Yep, totally does. Okay. So Martha Helen Stewart, but she was not Stewart then, was born in 1941 in New Jersey to Polish immigrant parents. She is entirely Polish. Oh, I didn't know that. Right, and what her, her middle, name? Her, her name was uh, Koistra. I'm probably like butchering it because, like, I mean, I had a, I have a Polish ex. I couldn't pronounce his last name. I Polish names are like the hardest in the world for me to pronounce. This is the second time this has come up in our podcast. Right, Polish last names can't do it. Sorry, guys. Um, the one great thing that you should know about her youth is that she used to babysit for some really famous Yankees like Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra. <laughs> Yes. Are you serious? I'm not joking. And she said that one of her greatest regrets was not getting signed baseball cards from them. I was like, that was real dumb because <laughs> they were already famous on, then. <laughs> and when I said, are you serious? My Siri just popped up on my, on my computer. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> what did you uh, wish? <laughs> okay. Right. But she was also super enterprising and she charged money to plan her friend's parties when she was 10 uh, to make more money because obviously I don't know babysitting for the Yankees wasn't paying enough, or maybe she just I'm, never could have enough money. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but like, how much were they paying? What, like the fifty? She said they're paying. Actually, she was saying fifty cents an hour. 
Oh, I, I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I don't. I, I but don't. how much were houses back then? Like 400 bucks? <laughs> I think more like 4000 but yeah. And then uh, but she was also set up for her later career by her family. It was almost like they groomed her to become the homemaking icon she became. Like she came from a line of like butchers and all these other artisans back in Poland. Um, her mom taught her how to sew and cook. Her grandparents taught her how to can and preserve. And I was like, I guess cool. I was taught a lot of that too, but I became receptive too late. Like I only thought that stuff was cool like up like maybe four years ago, not like when I was younger. It's like how um, I didn't think Uggs were cool until like last year when they were already out of style. <laughs> <laughs> totally the same thing, Emily. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and her dad taught her how to garden and he was not your average gardener. She adored her father and he taught her everything from like fabrics to like editing. Like her love for like editorial things, like editing her books and stuff really came from him. But on the darker side, right, right. Like just having a father who was kind of like a Renaissance man, but on the darker side, um, Martha's father was as critical as he was ambitious. He was super critical. Like I've read over and over again, how critical he was. Um, Martha is said to be very demeaning and just how she is very demeaning, even by the ones that love her. At, and this is obviously not as a child, but in her later life. And it can be assumed that that kind of came from her dad. Yeah. And um, in her mid-teens, she began modeling. Like, she was a serious model. Her photos were beautiful. Like, I'm sorry. You should look at them up right should now. Look it up? Okay. Yes, you need I'm to. Because just do, like, Martha Stewart modeling. Martha you Stewart will be sh- model. Modeling. Modeling. Yeah, they're beautiful. Modeling. Like I was saying, they shocked me. Like she's she was sexy. Like I can't deny it. She was really sexy. Um, stunning photos of Martha Stewart as a young model. Oh my god! Right? She was gorgeous. Sixties? Uh, yeah, 50, yeah, sixties, late fifties. Wow! 50s. Right? Like she's stunning. Oh my god! She doesn't. I like that picture of her with a cow. Yeah, she's really cute. She wearing a and, bump it. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, because she actually like did cig- she did cigarette ads. She did ads for you like Unilever. Um, oh my god! And her father lost his job around this time, and she actually supported her family in her late teens by modeling. That's super badass, right? And she actually modeled to help with her college expen- college expenses, and she actually did like work for Chanel. So she went all the way up that ladder. That's cool. Right. And so when she went to college, she planned. I mean, okay, if you want to know what college she went to, look it up. Like where you went to college isn't necessarily that important to us. But no, she planned a major in chemistry, but she ended up with a double major in history and architectural history. And I just was like that. That right there is like my dream. I want a bunch. I want a string of like useless degrees, like art history, history and architectural history. That's my jam. I know. I have have art history. I have English, and then, I don't know. That's my only useless degree. Uh, I almost got a degree in religion, too. That makes it so useful to me. All right. Well, we're making it useful in this podcast. We are. We truly are. There you go. Glamour Magazine named her one of the 10 best-dressed college girls in the early 1960s. Oh, my God. They would not have named that for me. I literally wore my boyfriend's extra-large sweatpants a pair of knockoff Ugg slippers and like a like sweatshirt with like beer stains on it for the majority of my college career. 
I know you so well. I put that in there specifically because I knew that that description would come out. <laughs> Can I tell you one time, real quick, <laughs> one time in my sorority, we had like alumni day where, <laughs> where, <laughs> um, like all the alumni came back. We were all supposed to show up for like brunch and we were supposed to be like in nice dresses and I <laughs> gotten too drunk at my boyfriend like i basically lived in his fraternity my whole sophomore year i gotten too drunk on butterscotch schnapps the night before so i was like <laughs> and i locked myself out so i climbed through the window of my sorority in his sweatpants covered in puke on the day of the <laughs> alumni thing and i had to take a shower and my shower was in like the main hall <laughs> I wish I was your friend then. I could have I could have helped you. You could have used my shower. Hey. I didn't need any help. I was fine. My roommates are very nice. Nice about it. That is so funny. No, we all need stories like that. Yeah. My stories like that are just staying hidden. Yeah, until Patreon. Oh crap. Yes. When Emily gets me real drunk and I'll tell you guys all. Tell yeah. all. So tell she all. met back to Martha. She met her husband, Andrew Stewart when they were both at college and we are going to say what college she went to because kind of probably give you like some of his like breeding. He was studying law at Yale, all very posh. So they married in 1961 and she said that although she had many suitors with large allowances, she was attracted to Andrew because he was extremely serious. A quality we all want in our partner. Uh (laughs) I was like, I feel like anyone who's ever been serious, I've been like, nope. I mean, you'll see how that kind of fits in with uh, her ambition. Like, like business. I, oh, no, I can I can see, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I would rather maybe, eat maybe like dress. Maybe, like, focused is a better word than serious, but she used the word serious. Yeah, I can see what she means by serious, but I would rather be, like, fat and happy and broke rather than, like, serious and rich. Yes, I me be- too. I'm just, I mean, oh, sorry, be, I, I, was just, I was just thinking of, like, rolling around in luxury for, like, I... Yeah, yeah, nope. I, I like where I am. <laughs> I mean, I do. I, okay, I mean, I'd rather be like fat, happy, and rich, but <laughs> I mean, like, of course, we all would. I just want to, um, I want to I be rich enough one day so I can um, have that egg thing, you know, that rich people have where you like tap the top of the egg. I really, all you need to do is have a little <laughs> egg stand and learn how to like poach your eggs or boil them just perfectly. How do I get an egg stand? You just go to vintage stores. I have like four of them for Easter. <sighs> okay, fine. I just need to be rich enough to fly out to Seattle and come to your house then. <laughs> okay, Martha. Okay, Martha. Sorry. And uh, they had their only child, Alexis, a couple of years later. And she got a job through her father-in-law, right? Was she, was she a little bit Alexis? Just a little bit Alexis. <laughs> yep. Um, so oh, got- la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, right she got a job through her father-in-law something that you would expect something that's very martha stockbroking oh it's not very martha but in the the stereotype that we know of her but once you get to know her it's like super martha there are stories of her going to meetings all young and blonde in a suit with hot pants I don't know how much i believe it but i read it in like four places including vanity fair and vanity fair as you know, for this podcast is kind of like our Bible. So I kind of. It is our Bible. If I can find a Vanity Fair article, I'm golden. 
Right. Someone just sent me someone the other day and they were like, I don't know how much there is on them. And I was like, I looked them up immediately. I was like, oh, we're doing them. I already found a Vanity Fair article. It's right. Because it's always it's always like, oh, Vanity Fair just makes this for us. My um, right. And she said that she loved this job and she demanded that all the men in the office took her seriously. She never felt less than. She said that she's still great friends with many of them. She went to she go she went to office parties for years. In the core pos- podcast, which was her that that episode in the core podcast was so good. It's actually I can't believe it was hosted. It's it's actually on the Barstool Sports channel, which I couldn't believe because I don't listen to any other Barstool Sports or Barstool podcasts because I was kind of like Right, trying to look at Martha Stewart in hot pants. Please do <laughs> see if you can find it. Um, but she's in hot pants, so are they the shorts? Hot pants. Yeah, yeah, they're like shorts, but like I mean, they don't like show your butt. Do you see them? No, there's a picture of her in like a really short jean jacket with a bunch of eggs, but I don't think that's the same thing. No, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> with like a large amount of eggs. Okay, go on. So um, in the core podcast, she said that she learned that she learned about people's appetite for money and that it served her mm-hmm. really well later on. And some can also wonder if this job wet her whistle and created her affinity for stocks with the side of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. Jeremy is substitute. <laughs> and her and her husband bought the now iconic early 1800s farmhouse on Turkey Hill Road. Like, that house is so iconic. Like, it is pictured in every magazine, everything. She still lives in it? Um, it's one of her seven properties. She likes to rotate. We'll talk about it. But she, they painstakingly restored it. And Martha says she learned so much by restoring this house. That's how her family spent weekends. She recalled her 10-year-old daughter painting the eaves on the house, which sounds like a perfect way to spend a weekend as a 10-year-old. <laughs> I would spend my... I don't even know what an eave is, but I would spend my weekend eaves, doing that. Like, like the eaves of the house, you know, when... Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm actually... You guys can't see what I'm... Sorry, I can't yeah, describe it right now. I know exactly eaves, what You know, the eaves? They're the eaves. <laughs> Okay. She said that she found her true calling while remodeling the house, and she quit her job as a stockbroker. And the kitchen in Turkey Hill House is actually the kitchen model for her shows. Like, they created, like, a partial kitchen model from the Turkey Hill kitchen in Why didn't they just do the Turkey House? Because they do it for some things, but, like, they can't film every kitchen show. There's no room for an audience. Oh, they had live audience. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they're... She's, <laughs> she she's like, no one's allowed in my living room anymore. This is where the audience comes from. <laughs> uh, so it is here in her career that you will hear Martha described as ruthless, arrogant, bit cutthroat. She's certainly a fearsome competitor. Um, I do think her critics are mostly sexist. Um, you can never, what? right? What? Like you never really hear of a self-made man success being held against him by shaming his personality until the recent days, because we're really starting to now hold a lot of people accountable, like Elon Musk and Donald Trump and Jeff there Bezos. Like they're, they're, yeah, their personality. I mean, I, like are I, we? Do. I, you I do. do too, but that's why we're best friends. <laughs> Okay, I we know. do. We know there's no, other people we, that do. <laughs> are we as a society? Um, yeah, no, I actually, I thought of that too because I went on a rant like 
I saw something about like when Biden won about someone being like, oh, Kamala Harris slept her way to the top. And it like, yeah, I'm I'm holding a knife right now, but not not a cheese knife. It truly is. It's a cheese knife, but it still can do damage. It's a cheese knife, but it's got two little things. Um, What are these ends? I don't know. But I prongs. There you go. (laughs) But it just makes me so mad because it's like, do you just assume that a woman slept her way to the top? And, or she and, was and, uh, the big old C word by doing it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've just, honestly, like, I've honestly experienced this too. Like, my GM, who I adore um, at my club job, told me on my first day as an assistant manager, you can either be known as a pushover or a bitch, and you have to toe that line. And I'm like, great. I'm glad there's only two things I can be. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's right. Like, or you could just be like a strong woman yeah i don't right okay so then i live in my she she do she she does she does what everyone does when they quit their job she started a catering slash event planning business in her basement with a fellow model friend is that what i should do i just quit my job yesterday i mean i love your dumplings and your mac and cheese (laughs) dumplings is not a sexual euphemism (laughs) like i love your dumplings well, you and I could start a business together as we neither of us have basements. But yeah, we could but do we're it. Both, we're both pretty equipped to event plan. We both have done it. Yeah, I actually wanted, I was like, it was and either event planning or nursing. It was, literally was event planning or nursing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah actually, right, well. Emily and I are on Josh. Like, we, we, we actually, we both have done it multiple times over in many different forms. We have done almost, between the two of us, we have done almost every single position in the hospitality trade. We're not even kidding. I know. Either. Yep. No. Yeah. Yep. Well, once everything opens up again, everyone wear a mask so I can go back. Oh, Karamia and Emily's weddings or Emily and Karamia's weddings are just like another name. So we don't fight over who's wedding for each other. <laughs> no, we can do weddings. I want to do weddings. That sounds fun. Your wedding was really beautiful. And I was an I was an assistant um, wedding person. Uh, yeah, so much a long there. Time. Yeah, but okay. okay. Sorry, back Perfect. To there you go. You're so, at Harlot weddings. Right. Harlot, not a harlot anymore. Not no, harlot or anymore. even more a harlot. Ooh, if they married harlot. a fellow harlot. Oh God, you're gonna do so much editing for this episode. So she nope, did I'm not, not go to a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> so she did not go to culinary school, but. She did teach herself by cooking through every dish and mastering the art of French cooking, which is honestly a book that is on my Christmas list. It was on my Christmas list before this episode. It's been on my Christmas list. And as you know, it was written by Julia Child, Julia Childs. But like, I mean, oh God, sorry. I have such a thing. For, I love her. I like watch YouTube episodes of her clips of her show just to like when I'm feeling down. Child was still alive like you and your husband would ask her to like enter into your marriage with you guys oh please <laughs> oh oh my gosh like, like you guys both have like, such a huge you know, crush you know, on her you know like my husband can imitate her her voice we talked about perfectly. this in one of our episodes before oh, hello this <laughs> is so perfectly like sorry sorry okay sorry it's, it's, it's one really of the things child. i love most would be about like, him she would be like the best bedfellow because like You'd wake up in the morning and she'd be like, I have cooked you omelets. I don't know how she <laughs> I don't think that's how it is. She's like, I'm not even going like, to try. I'm not even going to try. Uh, I have used all your butter. You only had two sticks and I used it for this omelet. <laughs> Would you like some fresh crepes? 
And I just love Meryl Streep as Julia. Okay, no, we're not even going down that road because we'll talk it forever. But she, Martha Stewart, pretty much throughout her career, has talked about how much she loves Julia Child. But like, who doesn't? She actually appeared on Julia's show once, and they spun sugar. They spun sugar, and Martha used a stand. And Julia did it the traditional way, and Julia made a mess, and Martha didn't. So I feel like that's very, like, that's why I love Julia, is because she does make a mess. How do you spun spin sugar? I don't know. Watch the show. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm going to look it up. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I, I feel so like- she started by placing an ad in the newspaper for her catering business, and all of a sudden she was catering a wedding for 300 That's, like, literally how Oh, my she God. Started. I just typed in, what the fuck is spinning sugar? It says, in a nutshell, spun sugar is just thin strands of melted sugar that have been formed into a, oh, oh, I get it, formed into a ball, nest, ribbon, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's like melted sugar. I got gotcha. you. It's like cotton I, candy-ish I type. Yeah. There you go. I was like thinking of like Rumpelstiltskin and like. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Emily's English degree is coming into hand. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, she. uh actually did like huge events for like museums and gallery openings like Ralph Lauren, Robert Redford, Paul Newman were like some of her climate cli- climates clients <laughs> very much her climate no her clients so uh although the business was successful the business relationship was not her partner said that she was difficult to work with and Martha thought she was more talented than her friend and that she deserved more money but her friend said oh, that she actually <laughs> Emily does do more work than me, guys. Let's just put it out there. Um, no, I don't think I do more work. I think I'm more talented. <laughs> <laughs> but her friend said that she did the bulk. I'm, we're just breezing over that. But her friend she said that she did the bulk of the work. But, like, honestly, at the end of the day, we kind of have to admit that Martha obviously kind of was more talented. I mean, if she can spin sugar, that's better better than Julia Child. Julia Child, right, right. You're obviously more talented. Um, but her, but so Martha bought her friend out, and her first business relationship was a bust. And she also got a job managing uh, like a gourmet food shop, uh, but disagreed with the owners, and she ended up opening up her own shop. So I guess you could kind of say Martha liked to be her own boss. Yeah, she doesn't seem like she works well with other people. Unless they're working for her. Yep. Well, works well with. Under her. Works well. Yeah. Under her. She's definitely a top. <laughs> oh, I'm so not. Her, I switch. Switch hitter. I'm no, don't say that. No, don't say it. Oh, you will. Whatever. I don't care. Um, her husband, in the meantime, had founded a publishing house and he became the president of a rather prominent publishing house that specialized in art books. And he asked Martha's basement catering company that apparently was amazing to cater a book release party. And that's when she had an encounter that changed her life. She met Alan Merkin, the head of Crown Publishing. And he was so impressed by her event planning, her cooking, her menu, blah, blah, blah. He arranged for her to write a cookbook. Oh, her infamous book, Entertaining, came out in 1982. A lot of foodies were critical of her book because they felt like she hadn't paid her dues. 
who was this East Coast housewife, model, stockbroker, entertainer, mother, like done it all. I know, I know. But like you can also see, like, can you imagine like because Anthony Bourdain, like, you know, he was a lot like, can you imagine what he had to say? Sorry, I love Anthony Bourdain. Just, I'm laughing so hard imagining what he said about Martha Stewart. Just an eye roll. Uh, no, I'm sure he had choice words. He had choice words for everything. Aww. But she did learn by trial, and I know, Rip, we can't go into that. That's a pain I don't want to touch. But she did learn by trial and error, and she did make everything from scratch. She released many yeah. more books. Everything from, from scratch. Everything from scratch. And she released. Be like, you want your flower? You have to go out and sow your own wheat. <laughs> I don't know. Went way far. <laughs> We're, so you go sow your oats and then come back in your I believe something in sexual euphemisms. Um, I can't help it. So she released many more books like Martha's Pies and Tarts. And Emily and I had a conversation about this book because I was like, this book name describes us. And Emily's like, yeah, I'm way more pie. And I'm like, yeah, I'm way more tart. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we, we need shirts, but that's probably like copyright infringement. I can make a, we can make a pie shirt and a tart shirt. She doesn't yeah, own the word pie. pie. Yeah. You don't own the word pie, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and she also like, you know, wrote Martha's Weddings. She wrote newspaper, like syndicated newspaper and magazine columns and appeared while on book tours, like many TV shows. And that's like, she literally built up her persona by like working the beat. Like she, she, she did it all. Like, it was not handed to her. Um, and during her rise, she separated from her husband, and they were officially divorced in 1990. Martha is not tolerant of my negligence or my foolishness or my eccentricities, her husband said. There are stories, actually, of her being very belittling to him, and he actually obtained a court order in 1987 that made it illegal for her to talk to him. Oh, shit. Right. And I don't know. If Wait, like, three years before their divorce? Yeah. Yeah. Like they were separated. Oh, they were like separated. Like okay. they, they obviously they had a lot of assets, blah, blah, blah. And then right. he actually married his her former assistant a couple of years later. And that they, assistant like, was more. Over how like demeaning she was. I don't know. Like that probably. And the assistant though was two decades younger than him. And I mean, I'm sure like a decade and a half younger than her. I don't. Yeah. Okay, Warren G. Harding. Right. <laughs> but, like, when you look at pictures of them in the beginning of their relationship, like, you know, the first half of their relationship, you can, like, really tell that they were in love. And it is also so weird to see Martha. Martha and Warren. <laughs> no, Martha and Andrew. But, um, you like, it's also so weird to see Martha pictured, like, in a relationship with a man because, like, you never see her pictured like that today. So is she, she's not, In a she's not Martha Stewart anymore. She just kept no. the name because she yeah, was she known as Martha. Because she said that Martha Koistra wouldn't sell as many magazines and she was right. Yeah. Well, no, because like Martha Stewart. Yeah. I wonder and if then, there's some sort of, was there, do you know if there was like anything about like her keeping the name and like I mean, capitalizing I on that? I don't think so. Because I, I mean, she took the name when she was married. There's no like laws about changing the name back after you've. And they were married for a good chunk of... They were married for almost two decades. Yeah, she got, like, famous with... Yeah, okay. Yeah, married cool. in 1961. I didn't actually... Oh, my gosh, more than I, two decades. Like, and... Wait, um, when, she, when was she born? 41. 41? 
And I guess she got married in 61. Was it 41 or 43? So she's almost 80 now? Yeah, she's 79. She looks good. Are you kidding me? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. She looks so oh good. Oh, my God. Um, Her, like, infamous pool selfie. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you know about that. We, I'm, we're yes. going to talk about that. <clears throat> but she actually dated Anthony Hopkins for a bit after that. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Um, but she actually broke up with him because of his role in Silence of the Lambs. She said that she could not separate the character from the man. And she that said. makes sense. So I feel like Anthony Hopkins, like, kind of, I don't know. Matt wanted us to watch that on Halloween, but we watched Hocus Pocus instead because I'm a scaredy cat. So I've never seen it, I but I. The Lambs is like one of my, I can, I can watch that endlessly. I don't know why. Never seen it. And they took it off Netflix. Matt really wants to watch it. And I, I must okay. indulge him at some point. You have to. And Where is she it? said, I don't know. I watched it last on. Couple they days took it off, like after after Halloween. Oh, I think that's when we watched it again. Okay, all right. But he said, uh, "Do you want someone eating your brain while you are sitting in your beautiful dining room in Maine?" She was a poet. <laughs> uh, Martha it's said like when cool. she. <laughs> <laughs> Martha said when she appeared on the Howard Stern show years later. And a couple of years later, she uh, dated a billionaire. Name's not important. He's just your run-of-the-mill billionaire. On and off for 15 years, uh, there was a ton of sexist speculation at this time about how she could tout her brand about homemaking when her private life really didn't include a nuclear family, which I think is stupid. You can be a homemaker of any sort and... Yeah, shut up. Right. And this was the same year she signed the contract to develop her magazine, Martha Stewart Living, and she was naturally editor-in-chief. She began to host a weekly TV segment, also called Martha Stewart Living, in 1993, which, of course, expanded to a daily weekday show. That just sounds so exhausting. Martha was warm and inviting on the TV, but was quite demanding off screen. She knew exactly what she wanted. She was nicknamed Martha Dearest by some of her audience members who were there for her TV tapings. Like as a joke or as like like Mommy Dearest. What's Mommy Dearest? I only I only know the seventies Mommy Mommy Dead and Dearest. Have you ever seen that? No. This is a really good documentary. I'm sure, like, Mommy Dearest is, like, a very, like, calling someone a Mommy Dearest is, uh, gosh, I'm sorry, guys, I can't remember that that movie right now. You guys are probably all screaming at me. it's, like, it's not nice. No. Okay. No, 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 there's there's that documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest, about, you know, the mom and daughter, where the mom had Munchausen's by proxy. Gypsy And then the daughter, yep, the daughter killed her. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, it's called, are you peeing? Wine. Ooh, how is that? I I, almost, I mean, I can only get what's in my, like, I Richard just bought it from me from the store. It's, like, the best one when you have no other choices. That one's not a bag. I think the, the that's a Boda. Mm. They're dry rosé. Boda box rosé. <laughs> dry rosé. Please sponsor us because you sponsor our podcast. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> By your wife. We, like we had, like, a two-week stint where we drank tea and then... She got real, real, and we were like, we'll drink tea in the morning. <laughs> we'll get real, too. Um, but mm-hmm. back to Mommy Dearest, I do not know how fun it was to work with her. There is this story about this time on her TV show. There was a segment on this company that refurbished bathtubs, and the men from the company refused to sign the release because it said that it gave Martha the right to use the material in video and in books. 
It's so conniving and clever. She like literally monetized on other people's expertise. I'm not saying it's great, but it's clever. But she actually did go on to win Emmys for her TV show. And in 1990, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And in 1995, um, the New York Times called her the definitive American woman of our time. Like, is that a compliment or a... (laughs) I don't know. Is it? (laughs) Or, yeah, I think in 1995, I think it was a compliment. And hers is a comforting and almost nostalgic aesthetic. Sorry, my list doesn't let me say that word. One that seeks (laughs) to recreate a world in which there were no cake mixes, no microwaves, no Ikea. A hyper-competent perfectionist who grew up with a sewing needle in one hand and a hammer in the other. And that is a quote from Michelle Green for People. And I thought that just described her so perfectly. I really like that. Back to pre-jail Martha. Um, She was renovating multiple houses, taking care of multiple gardens, ponds, chickens, dogs, friendships as well, and jet-setting with Barbara Streisand to Strand-Tropez and climbing a couple peaks in the Himalayas. Reading interviews from her in this era is frankly exhausting. And (laughs) when you hear about the productions, like she literally monetized on her home life. And as a cancer, that felt very invasive, but hey, do what you do. And I just wanted to remind everyone that at this time, this is before she got, she was, she was known, but she wasn't big. She was 54 at this time. Just a little reminder to people that you don't know the direction your life will take at age 25. Yeah. You <clears> really good Emily. to have talked today. <laughs> I know. Um, and also one- I think we all need to hear that. Cause like, I think like, unless you guys are, unless like everyone already had like a career and like stayed at home and didn't ever leave their house, then your life is probably not taking the direction you thought it would take in 2020. So just mm-hmm. hang in there. <sighs> and this is my last year of my twenties. Well, this is my, I don't know. It's her first year in her thirties. No, it's my second. Thirties. I can't go between year. 31 is the first year in your thirties. As far as I'm concerned. Well, this is, been a stupid first year in my 30s because like 90% of it has been inside with me like huddling a box of wine in the corner (laughs) sitting on my my air mattress that I now have in my office for when I do schoolwork and I'm like too lazy now as a whole (laughs) there's a hole in it from my cat so like every hour I like sit on my air mattress every hour it goes down like this why haven't you had it I can't find the hole it's like the theme of 2020. Like there's a hole somewhere. This <laughs> this year is broken, but I don't know where it is. <sighs> but like, oh, I don't know where it is. I took all the sheets off and I like put, I like laid down like this, you know, like I was like my head, my ear against the mattress, but the hole is getting bigger. So now like I was trying to take a test today and I could like hear it. And I was slowly sinking <laughs> down. <laughs> I could just hear it go. Sit <laughs> By the end of my test, I was, like, on the floor. <laughs> oh, you just picture it. We've all been there. We've all been there. Not in that particular, but we've all been on a leaky. I, I wake up on the floor. <laughs> um, whoever okay. made your air mattress, please do not sponsor us. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, 30 bucks. Right. Back to Martha. So one thing Martha says time and time again is how little she sleeps. <laughs> literally never something i've said like, in my life 
she says like she gets like about four hours a night, but like there's even times where she's like, I go to bed at three, wake up at five. Her neighbors say that you could call her all hours of the night. She's always up. She's constantly learning how to do new things to teach her readers and viewers. She's always learning from the experts, reading manuals and books, a lot of trial and error. I think she might be the queen of multitasking. Like her daughter and her say like when they relax, like nowadays, like, and they just want to talk. Uh, they wash the cars in the driveway while they talk. Like they, I, I think Martha Stewart's incapable of just sitting still. Yeah, dude, girl, just like pour yourself a glass of wine and like, if you need to like go milk a cow and like cr- make your own cheese, do that too. But like, <laughs> I think Martha Stewart probably should be telling us how to live our life, not us telling her how to live love, her life. No. I am telling her how to live her life. Like, you need to sit down on your leather couch that you probably made from the cow yourself. You skin the cow, you tan the hide, you cured it, I think, is what you do after. I don't know. I know tanning. That's it. But in 1997, she created the giant Martha Stewart Living Omni Media and expanded to television, print, and products. She became a brand. She actually had to buy her magazine from Time Warner because remember like another company, like a huge publishing company had like pretty much, you know, sponsored her opening her magazine. Um, she said she wanted to synergize. I'm doing air quotes. I actually had no idea what that word really meant until I read her description. I thought it was a phony word because we always hear it used being sarcastically. It's like, um, who used that word that was like, I don't know, some funny thing on the TV show. There's like synergize. They're just saying yeah. like random words. What show is that? I don't know. Um, I feel like 30 Rockies. Maybe. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you have monsters on the side of your sound box? Monster stickers? They're from Richard put them on. They're from the widget. Yeah. Richard on my decorated. Yeah. It's called it's widget. Uh, Matt Tynauer said on Martha Stewart and Vanity Fair, her media company is based on interests, activities, and the style, taste, blah, 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 of one person. She's actually like the most synergized person alive, you know, just pretty much connecting. So synergy is like, okay, so it's like pretty much like what she does. She learns about one thing, like say, you know, it pops up in her book. She's also going to adapt that with her TV show and then adapt that with her books and more books and adapt it with her newspaper columns and with her magazines and with this and with that. And it goes to one thing, like pretty much like the way we think of Martha Stewart and how she has her hands in everything today, you know, like we'll talk about that. She's like the most synergized person walking on the planet today, like either more so or on par with Oprah, probably more. That so. makes sense. Yeah. And this is where I truly admire Martha. She says she always did and does her own research and editing for her her own books. Of course, with help. She has ghostwriters here and there. But they are truly thorough from cover to cover. But, of course, there are accusations of her stealing recipes and material. Julia Childs actually said in Vanity Fair that Martha always acts like she invents what she does. And that it would be nice for her to give credit. Yeah, from Julian Childs. Maybe she'll listen. But Martha's no. always right, always looking for the next new thing. She said that if she wanted to learn how to do something, many other people would want to know how to do it also. Like organizing your silver. Because we all have a bunch of 
like pure silver silverware lying around. Um, and she's like, we do. <laughs> My parents do. They always made me polish their silver on like Thanksgiving. Yeah. I know. I was like, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm like surprised that that's not something that my parents did. They, I think it was like my grandparents' silver. But I remember my mom would be like, okay, it's time to polish their silver. Guests are coming over. And I'd be like, Get, mom, this silver looks like you literally haven't used it in like 45 years. There's already be like mud on it. <laughs> 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 Sorry, mom, <laughs> but your silver is real dirty. <laughs> it's real rusty, Marianne. Take care of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get your shit together, mom. <laughs> We're joking, of course. <laughs> you heard your shit's very much together, mom. We love you. <laughs> but she said that um, she founded her brand on the one idea that people always want to learn. Uh, Martha Stewart Living was the first magazine to actually go online. Martha bought her first computer in the 1980s. She was actually really present at like some of the first like Microsoft conferences and meetings about bringing like computer users into the next decade. Like she was there with like Bill Gates in Seattle, like learning oh, about this. Like she was pretty much she was Seattle. right. And she adopted a direct newsletter to cus- uh, like customers and consumers, kind of like an early blog. And she was always ahead, always pushing boundaries, never afraid of trying something new. Okay, the yeah. company went public on the New York Stock Exchange in 1999, and that's what made her a billionaire. She said that she is not that anymore, following what is titled Martha's Mess. I'm using air quotations. It is said that her net worth is like constantly fluctuating because her money is all tied up in her millions of shares in her company. I was like, dude, that sounds really stressful. But uh, she's always fluctuating too, but (laughs) it's because it's tied up in cheese and wine. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) Oh, like mine's like, I, I really like my nails done and I really like my kids to have diapers. So I'm like, I think that's I mean, what that's, it's tied up in. That's important. I really like my cats to have food. Right. <laughs> um, but she was worth a billion in 2005. But like as soon as 2007, she was only worth 650 million just to show you like how much her worth really fluctuated. But when really she went feel public, that. <laughs> right. My worth is always fluctuating just like, yeah, I think we're, I think that like, that loss we all feel in 2020. Well, maybe not the we like, were worth I was, a billion I was, last I was, year, but I was worth a bit last year, and I feel like I'm worth like a half of that this year. <laughs> I had some spending money, you know. I could afford, I could afford fancy cheese and the bougiest trip to Goodwill. <laughs> now I just afford <sighs> nothing. Hey guys, tip: if you want to feel like a baller, go to the dollar store. I am going to spend my Christmas at Dollar Store. But on that note, I am very, very, very happy and lucky that I can afford to I can afford to stay home and I have a house over my head and I can afford groceries and I'm just being a little bitch, but I'm I'm very privileged and lucky to have all those things. <laughs> same here. Same here. Mm-hmm. Um and back to Martha, who's back also extremely who's who's beyond privilege. Um, back to Martha she- is the title of this episode. Right. Uh, when she went to, when she went public again, many people criticized her and her follow followers for what they called Martha ism. 
There was this essay that called her a kitchen sink idealist. She wanted beauty rather than convenience. And she was only concerned in surface beauty. Fair. Stuart, like the original Instagram food influencer? Kind of, but kind of not. We'll also give it to that. Okay. And this is for you, Em, before we get to jail talk. In her Vanity Fair biop in 2001, the article remarked on her three chow chow dogs, her seven Himalayan cats, and her 15 chinchillas. Also, she talked about her huge horses on the core podcast, Animal Lover for sure. And she also does not use slash wear fur anymore. No, uh, but you know, chow chows are really mean. Sorry, not sorry to anyone who has a chow chow, but chow chows no, are like. That's a very, very mean. bougie dog, right? They're very mean. They're like aggressive. And also, what the fuck is a Himalayan cat, and where can I get one? They're the <laughs> really like they're the really like they have the beautiful long fur. Like it. they're all all her animals are super high maintenance, just like Martha. <laughs> I have to look at it. They do it. Oh my god, that's like Grumpy Cat. Yeah, they're beautiful fur. Oh, oh, it's like Misa. It's like my parents' cat. This one cat looks exactly like Misa. I thought my parents' cat was a Siamese cat. Nope, it's Himalayan. Misa! Because she has those beautiful blue eyes. Oh, that's so cute. I know. Matt, I don't tell my cats this, but I think Matt loves my parents' cat more than our cats. Well, she is more responsive to his love. She kind of is, but only if you have treats and you're going to brush her. She is the most. She is the. Yeah, (laughs) it's not like it's not like feed me food and tell me I'm pretty. It's like feed me food and brush my hair. Like back scratch, please. Oh yeah. But let's get into jail talk. In 2001, Martha got a non-public tip from her broker at Merrill Lynch that M Clone System stocks value was going to fall. Martha sold her almost four thousand shares and had. And she avoided a loss of almost $50,000 when the stock rate fell the day after she sold. Apparently, the broker had called her while she was on a flight to a vacation with friends. All he told her was that the CEO of Mclone had sold all of his shares. That's all he told her. But apparently, Mclone was about to be denied FDA approval for a cancer drug. I do not understand Strock, uh, the stocks i can't even say the word stocks obviously i don't understand them but it's rocks <laughs> right but like if someone told me like hey dude you're about to lose money i mean i would sell too i know it's called insider training but like i i really get confused about that like i really I do too but like it's like when you it's like i feel like the stock did that stock record go to jail because it's like what would you do yeah and he the did? guy okay. and, and the um, CEO of the company did too. Go to sold. jail. Yep, yep. And I said, oh, but well, he only sold because he was he knew he knew it was yeah. going to drop. Okay, and I get, I get, I get, I get. That's why it's called insider trading. But like, I was like, I don't get stocks, and I was like, apparently, that's why I do not deal in stocks. I just deal in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> so what I I don't know anything either, um, but I I think. What I would assume is that if she, like, if the stock was about to drop and then she stole, sold, sold her 4,000 shares, which sounds like a lot of shares, that would make the stock 
drop a lot faster. So if like, no, right? No, no, no. The reason why she got, why this was a big deal is because she got a tip pretty much. She broke her said, but like her selling did not make them go. No, she sold them. No, because this drug that everyone thought was an amazing thing that was going to be a cancer drug, this Imclone Systems that was promoting this cancer drug, they nobody else knew that they weren't going to get FDA approval. Oh, okay. So she sold the day before everyone found out that this but drug... I was- I was just thinking that that's probably why insider trading can't happen, though, because if people were like, oh, I just found out that this person's going under, you should sell your stuff. Isn't that like what made the like stock market crash in the Great Depression? Mm. Like, it's like everyone sold all their stuff because they thought everything was going to crash, and that's what the Great Depression. I also think it has just to do with unfair advantages, and the stock market is supposed to be like a level playing field. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a whole combination of things. That's just bad. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is. It's really confusing too. And so after a super public trial and also like some backstabbing by her friends, um, I remember like reading about this in the tablet yeah. by the, the checkout in the grocery store aisle. Right. I don't know. Does it remember it being a big deal? A huge deal because remember her synergy, like her brand was her. So she was convicted of conspiracy, obstruction of an agency proceeding and making false statements to federal investigators. She was sentenced to five months in a federal prison and then five additional months on house arrest with like an ankle monitor. Um, Her show was yanked from TV stations. Her stock dropped. Her subscriptions dwindled. Advertisers dropped her. And many people believed that the brand would not make it. But she is a resilient bitch. Yep. And uh, in a very not Aunt Becky fashion. That's right. We're stabbing at you, Lori, whatever your freaking name is. Laughlin. Martha accepted her sentence. Oh, and she could not serve as CEO of her own company for five years in accordance with her sentence. And so she became chief creative officer. In prison, uh, it is said that she was a go-between for the prisoners and the staff and that her nickname was M. Diddy. (laughs) That's cool. And when asked if she was apologetic for her crime, she was said that she was sorry for the chaos the case created, but that she was not to blame. Uh, I think she was pointing fingers at the stockbroker. She has later said that no good came from her time in jail and she was just saying like how horrible jail was how much she hated house arrest but for someone like martha like house arrest would be like the end all be all if someone put me on house arrest i'll be like ah yes please i think (laughs) we're all on house arrest right now right but then i was also like but i asked my mom so if my mom is my mother is a benchmark for the classic martha fan which she is my mom said I stood by her when I asked her about like how, what she felt about Martha and her felony charges. And my mom said they were so mean to her in the media. They made so much fun of her. Her comeback after 2005 was epic. She said that it would have been a gradual growth, but because of her prison sentence and the time it took away, she had to do everything kind of at once and pretty fast. But her company did not make a profit for like seven years. Oh, wow. Right? And she did not give up. Her company was all about her image. Like I was saying, Synergy, Martha, homemaking, 
and it really suffered. So she returned to TV with her show, you know, Martha's. It was actually, I think they renamed it at the same Martha, but, you know, it was always kind of like the same thing. And a version of The Apprentice. She was not a renewed for a second season. Also, not to start a little drama with our current president, Donald Trump. Uh, but lame duck president. Right. He was very critical of her apprentice season. Also, he was critical of her apprentice season. She filmed it while being on house arrest because she was only allowed to leave her house for a certain amount of hours a week. Are you sure that you have your sources right on that? Because, like, Donald Trump just doesn't seem like the guy who'd be critical of anybody. (laughs) (laughs) But listen to this. Listen to this, Emily. So on her TV show... Martha had Joan Rivers on, and they were cooking and talking Bunch about Joan Christmas. Rivers. She's the one that always um, critiques people's outfits. She's older, like a that, comedian. I'm going to look her up. All right. Okay. But anyways, no, you want to listen to this part. Okay. Well, let me um, look her up. Let me look her up. Okay. Look her up. Oh, her real Hold name on. is Alexander Maslinski. Oh, I know who she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on her TV show, Martha had Joan Rivers on, and they were cooking and talking about Christmas presents because it was like Christmas time. Joan said that someone had sent her a box of Donald Trump steaks. And Wait, I, it hold on. Was it because, I don't know. I no, can't no, think no. of anything like, good. And like Martha they were said, from him? Yeah. No, no, no. Like Donald branded. Donald Trump steaks. And Martha said, oh, yeah, he has steaks. Then Joan said some joke about how she couldn't eat Donald Trump. And the person who gets it in said, oh, no, he owns a company. And Martha replied with, well, that's too bad. (laughs) Meaning she wishes that, like, the steaks had been Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Because Martha is a actually really well-known Democrat. Oh, well, wait, was this before he, this is before he, this is like 2006, 2007. Okay. Cause Joan Rivers died. I just so she was like the OG of hating Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> she was, she was on it before all of us, but I mean, we all kind of just like, we, distaste- we, all, just, we all thought he was distasteful, but like, that we all thought he was stupid. But like, do you remember where you were when you realized he was running yes. for president? I, I, I know exactly where I was. I was on my way to New York. Remember, it was like the week you were moving into our apartment Mm -hmm. and it was 7 a.m. I was drinking a Bloody Mary. I was taking a selfie for Instagram. I had this really cute jacket that was stolen by this person I used to know named Blinda. But um, (laughs) are you serious? Linda stole that jacket? She borrowed it and then we had a huge falling out and then she never gave it back. Yeah, I'm still mad about it. Okay. But I know. Um, But I remember like. Seeing it and being like, Donald Trump's running for president and being like, oh, ha ha, like never going to happen. And my brother used to live right across the street from the Trump Tower yeah. in Manhattan. And I remember I was like there and we were like, oh, ha 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 ha. And then it was like the last right. four years, every time I've like seen news conference where it's like President Donald Trump, I've been like, I go into this like fugue state for a couple of minutes where I'm like, is this real life? All, I don't know what's happening. We're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Me okay. Too. It's not just me. I like, no, I, like black, no. I feel like I black out every time I realize he's the president and I'm like, is this, is it true? Am I in a dream? Am I dreaming? Okay. It's not just me. Okay. Nope. Nope. Right. <sighs> Back to Martha. <laughs> she released more books, a line of homes, like an actual line of homes. 
She designed homes. Like it was like a, a themed community. Yeah. Her Omni yeah. Media company released a 24-hour satellite radio channel and she produced Martha Stewart Vintage line of wine. And these are just a couple of the things she did a couple years after prison. Like this is not even a definitive list. She did like so much more. I think if I would choose any um celebrities line of wines, I would choose John Legends. I just feel like Chrissy Teigen would make uh, sure they're they're like the classiest. But or just freaking delicious. Like I yeah. want to have the sex they're having. I know. <laughs> I know. <gasps> I, I yeah, I would choose them. No, they're they're like my favorite celeb couple, definitely. They're, I really like them. But more notably, she partnered with Macy's in the largest brand launch the store has ever done. Wow. Right? And her daughter, Alexis, released a book in 2011, 2011 uh, called Whateverland, Learning to Live Here, which was critical of Martha's parenting. Andrew Stewart, who was Martha's ex-husband, said, I think we did a poor job as parents. He said, we were too involved in our professional lives and fixing up the house. We were always making the home into a mythological place, but it wasn't a home. We didn't spend enough time with Lexi. Alexis did not talk to her father for years after the divorce, and her mother's her relationship with her mother was very shaky, actually, until Martha went to prison. I cannot Maybe. imagine it was easy to be Martha's daughter. And my mom... My, um relationship with my mom would be shaky too if every time I was like hey mom you want to sit down and talk she'd be like yeah but you have to clean my car while we're doing it well right and like her um in her book she said that she suffered with many feelings of inadequacy while growing up she said that Martha was really not interested in anything kid-friendly there was nothing even like semi-prepared in her house it was like all ingredients but also her book Came out with a lot of like bold statements that were like, you know, she was like, Mom, I want a snack. And she'd be like, Okay, yeah, well, here are all the ingredients to make yourself pizza rolls. Kind of, but like, so like, for example, like there was this one thing where she was like, My mom never celebrated Halloween. But Martha was like, What about all those years I made your costumes on the sewing machine? And she's like, Oh, yeah, I kind of breezed over those. So I feel like she made like really bold statements in her book that weren't exactly. Yeah, but she also could have like, no, I completely bat yeah. her feelings of inadequacy. Right, 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 right. She probably like, you know, there's like celebrating Halloween, like just letting a kid go out and eat candy where it's like, or versus Martha probably like did this huge elaborate thing and like had, you know, she probably didn't just like let yeah, her like carve pumpkins with a lace pattern. <laughs> oh my God. My pumpkin. Uh, was not cute this Halloween. And it's my daughter riding on my porch. My daughter asked me to carve our pumpkin to look like the DJ Marshmallow, so I did. The DJ Marshmallow? You know, the one, he's got the X for eyes. No. He wears that white head box. I don't know. No. He's been around for years. I thought you might know. Okay, never mind. I don't know anything. So, um, back to Alexis. Uh, so, no, back to Martha. <laughs> Uh, Martha actually got into a huge legal battle. It was like her and JC Penney's against Macy's because it was like she was trying to gold dig them both at once. She was trying to do brand promotions with them at once, but she apparently had an exclusive contact contract with Macy's. But like they were reading between the lines. I don't know. Anyways, that's dramatic. It was. It was actually really interesting to listen about the trial, but like it doesn't really fit into our show. But the best thing about Martha in more recent years is her friendship and business relationship with Snoop Dogg. I didn't know this until you told me this because 
Right. Oh, oh my gosh. You got to, after we're done here, go watch the clip on YouTube about Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart making mashed potatoes. I need to. Okay, real quick. Because yeah. this is this is important to what you're about to say. So I was very sheltered as a child. Sorry, Mom. I was in New York, and I did, like, a, a fashion design camp at NYU when I was 16. And I remember, like, we, we they got us tickets to TRL. And everyone was like, ah! And I was like, cool, what is that? And I remember everyone being like, you don't know what TRL is? And I didn't, like, we didn't have ever have MTV. So I was like, yeah, oh, I mean, I didn't either growing up. I didn't yeah. grow up with a T. My parents, no. like, yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't. No, I mean, I mean, that's just, you know, that's fine. Like, a lot, you know, not having cable. But, like, I remember walking down the streets of Soho at, like, 11 with my friend, like, when we got off class, 11 at night, because we, like, it was, like, 9 p.m. class, whatever, and we, like, I was staying with my aunt and uncle. So we're walking, <laughs> we're walking down the streets of Soho, and she's like, how do you not know what TRL is? Have you been living in a cave? Your whole life? I was like, oh, yeah, how'd you know? And then this guy popped up from behind a trash can and was like, yeah, how did you know? <laughs> For real? Yes. He, like, popped up behind a bunch of trash cans in Soho. And I was like... You do realize that your stories always are on the verge of unbelievable. I know. But they're all real. I swear to God. I know, because I've been there for some of them, so I know they are. I know. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh my God. So, and I was like, oh my God. So yeah, I, I guess I've lived in a cave. <laughs> but yeah. So, cause Emily was living in a cave, Snoop Dogg and Martha, they had something going on. He came onto her show, Martha, like to first, no friendship to first okay. make brownies. Uh, the chemistry was instant. Like special like brownies. I said, he always, he always joked at that, but it probably was. Martha smokes weed for sure. She for sure smokes. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But oh, okay. um, but like their chemistry, it, it there's something there. It was like it's like I've read so many articles that say it was like oil and water. It just was there was something about them. Like they were like oil and water, but then they I don't know. There was something about them. The chemistry was instant. They're, they're like oil and water in like an Italian vinaigrette. Something I don't know. There's something about it. like you watch you watch anyone who's watched them knows. He joked that he wanted to add some green to the brownies, and she joked back. And I was like, it's so crazy because the relationship. Because like Martha is three decades older than Snoop Dogg, but Martha also doesn't really seem like a grandma at all. She also like kind of seems cool. Like I mean, maybe that's just like her personality on TV because you said she sounds like different, but she just seek. Like, she seemed, like, cool. She is. He also, like, I'm not doing her justice. Like, really go listen to, like, there's some, I'll tell you podcasts at the end that interview her. She's really cool to listen to. But what Martha says about Snoop is she's like, he's very attractive. I must say he's an attractive human being. But, like, they all both said, like, no, nothing ever is going to happen, you know. like. But he also came on her show, Martha, a couple more times. They have said multiple times how much they mutually respected and enjoyed each other. And they then began their TV show, Martha and Snoop Dogs, or Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party. The kitchen was split in half with each side of the kitchen reflecting their personality. Oh my God. Like Snoop's was like all like this purple and red pattern and Martha's like this very classic, like white and yeah. And Snoop Dogg actually had a 24 karat gold measuring cup. I mean, 
Why wouldn't you? But it's, like, amazing. I'm trying to see pictures of their sets, but, like, all I see is picture. They look like. They look so cute together. They're so cute together. It's amazing. Oh, I really like it. Oh, my God. How did I not know about this? And Snoop Dogg apparently doesn't drink that much, and Martha, like, loved to make him cocktails, and she got him, like, quite drunk many times over. She called herself a cocktail mistress, and she uh, said in her interview in Town & Country uh, that uh, that she makes the best bourbon sour the best margaritas, really good zaccatinis. Yeah, but you probably didn't invent any of those recipes, Martha. Right. But she's she's a cocktail mistress. She just she makes and serves the cocktails. That's but these show myself a cocktail mistress for myself. Please do. That's why I put it in because I was like, that's such a good like you know it's, name. It's actually, a really good. Name. I make the best bourbon sours, but I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I believe you. The show only lasted two seasons, but they had so many famous guests. And Snoop Dogg cracked jokes while Martha educated the masses. She said he educated her about music, and he said that she taught him, like, like how to present a meal and to gain confidence in his cooking. Because she said many times over, Snoop Dogg's a really good cook. I'm um, sure. I... I just looked them up and like they they look so cute. There's just like all these pictures of her like wrap him like wrapping her in a bear hug. It's just really cute. I can like so this. cute. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I they really had like, they like had that. guests like uh, Seth Rogen and Wiz Khalifa, Fat Joe. You know, just like so many. Um, it was said that Snoop was always high on set. Martha says she always like respected his trailer space, and all the guests went into his trailer space before meeting. They were all high before they came on set. And Martha says she does not smoke, but she, like, made references. Justin Bieber recalled her, like, winking when, like, Snoop Dogg says something about weed during that roast, that infamous roast. And the show actually has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. What? 100 Yes, and it definitely brought, like, extremely different cultures together. And Martha Stewart was like, "Um, music and food always brings people together. And, like, I think, like, I don't know if I've been exemplifying that enough in this episode. Like, Martha is always at the forefront for a lot of different ways of thinking, especially now. And I think prison really, like, made her relate more to different people. Like, a lot of different people. Like, not just, like, you know, like, quote-unquote people who go to prison. But, like, just, like, more working-class people, too. Like, I feel like she just understands. Yeah. And she also definitely got contact high from Snoop Dogg while sitting next to him during the roast of Justin Bieber because it took four hours to film and Snoop Dogg was smoking the whole time. Also, Martha Stewart killed it during the roast of Justin Bieber. Go oh, watch I've it. I've never seen this. Yeah. So let me tell you a roast that she did of okay. Ludacris. Of Ludacris during this this roast. She so said... Justin Bieber. You do... You no, no. Do but like during, during the roast, you host all the other hosts. You roast all the other hosts in addition oh, to the okay. person that you're roasting. Yeah. That's how you do. Um, My ego could not handle a roast, so... No. No. But she said Ludacris... She said something like, I see that you have three different children by three different women. And she's like, I suggest pulling out some time and using my high absorbency Martha Stewart sheets. Instead. <laughs> she said something like that. It was like, you just said that to Ludacris? Like, my what? high absorbency sheets? She, she, like, 
And like, like, and she like roasted, she roasted, she roasted Kevin Hart, and immediately then people were just like, "This is no or like people could not, and like people who were roasting her were like, "Um, we had they had Kevin Hart, they had Ludacris, they had Shaquille O'Neal, they had um, Snoop Dogg, they had a couple other people on the stage, and they're like, "Um, we have all these rappers on the stage and all these like, you know, whatever infamous men on the stage." But Martha Stewart has done more jail time than you all have. Yeah, what are you supposed to say to what could you say to Roaster? What? Like I don't know even what. Uh, you were in jail. And then when like, the whole drama with Takashi 69 uh, was going down, I don't know if you know about that the rapper Takashi 69. I'm honestly like I followed his story because I just he was like one of those like characters that was like just so crazy to be true but anyways snoop dogg tweeted i want everyone to remember that martha snitched on not one soul during her trial because takashi 69 snitched on everybody oh okay yeah i'm not saying like uh, i'm not promoting snitching or not snitching i don't know anything about that but i'm just saying um and now uh she said that she reads the New York Times cover to cover every day. She said that she spends each night with her iPad and that it's better than a man. But mm-hmm. that she's looking. She tried out Match with disastrous results. There was a hilarious thing where we saw her micromanaging her Instagram team on uh, what was this like a couple years ago when they posted a picture of squash and the description wasn't to her liking. So she commented what underneath the picture in her no. personal account. Like, Oh, oh this squash looks cooked. How did you make it? Blah, 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 blah. It was like hilarious. And also people like have kind of, like people were like saying like uh we all do not want to be her her social media her social media marketer right now but also emily and i were just talking like she she posts some thirst traps oh my god she's almost freaking 80 and she posted that one this summer yeah well no that was like uh during quarantine it's also like like definition of white privilege right there being like look at my giant pool during quarantine like shut up martha but also okay, like but, oh no my God. she's consistent <laughs> she's been pouting her white privilege since day one i mean whatever yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she looked amazing i had no idea she was 80 i thought she was like 60. 70 she's 79 i know i think we've all thought she was 60 for decades <laughs> He has been 60 for decades. But, um, like, back to Match, um, she got her and one of her dates into, like, an extremely fancy restaurant that's infamous for being hard to get into. And when it came time to pay, the management said that the meal had been paid for or comped because, you know, she's Martha Stewart. And then Martha asked her date to, like, leave a really hefty tip. And he only left $10 and she was like, okay, we're done. And Emily and I both being part of the hospitality business. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed That's- to tip, even if your meal is comped, even if your meal is somewhat paid for, you're supposed to tip on what the meal was going to At be. At least 20% because your waiter or waitress worked or for that meal. Ever, yeah, they work really hard for that. And it is really hard to be in the service industry. And just, if you can't afford to tip, Stay the fuck home. Mm-hmm. And she said on the core podcast that she's looking for a man that 
has a sense of humor and is athletic and has multiple types of transportation. Like I listen to it. She, she knows what she wants. She wants someone wealthy. And she's also said in early articles that she wants someone younger than her. But also I think too, the wealthy thing could be also, she's like, as in well, like independently, like wealthy woman, like woman who made her own. I can see why you would want someone wealthy too. Cause you would want someone that like had their own and wasn't yeah, relying I, on well, I also feel like she like kind of associates wealth with ambition. Yeah. No, I th- I could see that too. Yeah. And, um, she loves rich people activities now like horse riding and eating all the food that she grows on her properties. She incubates peacock eggs. What? Yep, and is curious almost to a fault. She's not a fan of scented candles or anything scented. She likes fresh cut flowers. Um, In the core podcast, she also thinks that the most underrated food is eggs, and she absolutely loves them, and I was like, I do too. She's also said like her most like guilty pleasure food is liverwurst, and I was like, boy, are you from a different era. Ugh. I feel like eggs, I've realized I'm really picky about eggs since I've been buying, like, I, I've been buying the cheap eggs lately, but, like, I feel like I just really prefer the, like, the fancy eggs because you can taste the difference, but mm-hmm. no one's, you know, I'll, I'll do that after COVID. <laughs> right. And she also is, has served, is serving, I'm not sure of the stance of the company, this was in 2019, as a product advisor to a cannabis company in Canada. That's cool. To like For like pro- cannabis products for humans and animals, like pets. And I was like, huh. So I like was also thinking like, so they were saying like, you know, Snoop Dogg possibly destigmatize weed for her, which is really cool. Like if there's one person to destigmatize weed for you, like that would be it. Like Um, Snoop Dogg destigmatized weed for all of us. Right. And Willie Nelson. Yeah, no, I mean like CBD products are huge. Like I've given my dog CBD before and I give it to her for anxiety and they were like, okay, just so you know, this is like really bad tasting to animals and they won't like it. So just like try to put it in something else. So like I remember I tried and then like, Every time I, I pulled the bottle out, she got so excited. She went up on her hind legs and I would just, at the end of it, I would just like, I would give her like drops out of the bottle and she just loved it. She just like, every time I, she just like, I was like, you are definitely Matt's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> just showing how open-minded I think Martha really is. Um, and my dog is. And Polar is. Uh, so is Martha a feminist icon or a housewife champion or both? Her homemaking standards had made her a business tycoon, but to keep up with her ideals would mean that women have to work a backbreaking day, all day, every day. But like, I think one thing I found from researching Martha Stewart is her philosophies on where she got to where she wants to be. She is so unapologetic. She is so confident. And she is so delightfully arrogant. Like, I find it, like, appealing. I just want to borrow just a quarter of that, just a quarter of that and bring it into my life. I admire that a lot. There's so much guilt around being, like, a woman, no matter what path you choose. If you, like, choose to be a girl woman or you choose to do this or that or, like, be a stay-at-home mom, there's, like, always guilt no matter what you do. It's just, like, I admire that about her being, like, just unapologetic and being like, yeah. And it's, it's also so funny because this episode for me 
was so undramatic compared to the other ones because, like, I truly had, like, I'm like, oh, Martha Stewart's cool. I truly had no emotional attachment to her. Yeah. And it feels weird. It feels weird. It feels like this is unfinished because I'm not, I don't have this, like, huge emotional rant at the end of this one. I'm just like, that was Martha Stewart. Boom, bam. This is what your mom didn't tell you. You know a little bit more about her. You make up your mind about her. No, I really liked that. I thought it was really good. I I didn't know anything about her. I just, I again, like I always heard like move over Martha from my mom's like friend because she was literally like she was always the go-to about etiquette and, you know, she always, she was like a teacher. So she would always make her own little like cutout bunnies every year and she would send it to like me every holiday, like every holiday, Easter, Thanksgiving would send out like turkeys, like cut out things. She would always just like everything. And my mom literally wanted her to write a book. And I just like, that's what I know about Martha was that she had competition. (laughs) There's this really funny story about Martha. Like she would take her boat to go from seaside town to seaside town to go antiquing. And in one antique shop, she saw, because she lived this particular town in Maine and in this one seaside shop that wasn't too far from where she lived there was this napkins these napkins that said is Martha one person and she <laughs> held it up because like she came in the store they didn't really notice it was her and she held it up she's like don't you think I should get these for free and they were so shocked it was her and they were like yeah of course of course and she thought it was like the most hideous thing she ever she like went out saying like that's the grossest thing I've ever seen Oh, I thought it was funny. I was like, like why would they? What? Yeah, yeah. But of course, like, this is coming from the woman who said that she would rather die than wear Lily Pulitzer. I could see, though, like, I guess I could see why you would you would be mad about that because it, it's like, you're like, I work. I mean, yeah, of course she's not. But, one, but Martha is. Stewart living Omnimedia is definitely not one person. No, I was going to say, she's of course isn't one person, but like, she did make the name herself. Like, I could see, like, you know, of course, anyone who's that high up has people. So that's like, I, I feel like I could, I can kind of, I mean, yeah, I think she's arrogant. She's so cool. Like, she's always pushing boundaries. She's always figuring out a new way to do something. She's always anticipating people's needs before they need it. It's crazy. Well, especially because you're like, I could see like in that era of women coming up in the world and like being businesswomen, like there weren't a lot of women doing that. So it's like, I feel like those napkins kind of take away from her having created that for herself, you know? You know, even her own um, food delivery, like the meal delivery service. Oh, Marla, she started that. Yeah, but she started that in 2017. Yeah. I um, Before like the really big rush on them. Yeah, I actually got that when we were, like, trying out a bunch of different ones, and I was not that impressed. Sorry, Martha. But good try. Yeah, I'm not I'm not about, like, tons of – I mean, I haven't tried. We tried, like, eight of them. Or, no, not eight of them. I don't know. We tried a bunch of them. Um, my brother – like, I was asked my brother because he always did those. But I tried those ones, and those were – I have to say those were the least – and I, I probably honestly was because they were – I don't know what it was about them. It, maybe they were too complicated, but or not interesting. But like, there's a lot of really good ones out there. But I remember her being Lily's favorite. So sorry, Martha. Sorry, not sorry. But before we go, um, 
My sources are The Best Revenge by Michelle Green for People, Empire by Martha by Matt Tynauer for Vanity Fair, uh, the interview of her in Town & Country Magazine and the Core Podcast and the Page 7 Podcast, which were both great episodes, and of course, Wikipedia. Good job. Thank you. I'm this just like the latest we've ever recorded, guys. I know. I need to go because I need up. to go wake. I need to go wake up my husband so he can go deliver bread to everyone oh, else. I I thought he was supposed to wake up an hour ago. No, he wakes up. He kids different routes. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Cool. Yep. So I got to go wake him up. Okay. Well, um, thanks for listening. Please send us. Please keep sending us stuff. You guys have no idea how much. Like how happy that makes us. And again, we are all in this together. We're going to get through the winter together with you guys. (laughs) We'll be here with our boxes of wine and our ramen and our. You can depend on us. Yeah. That's one other thing. We really like knowing like what you guys want to hear. We've gotten so many great suggestions and we're super excited to look into them more. So Please keep sending them along. Right. And- I mean, we've got we got stuff planned through the end of this year, but like, you know, especially for next year, we're kind of free balling it. So free balling. So if <laughs> free boobin, free balling, free boobin and balling. I'm free boobing right now. Do you have you notice I'm not wearing a bra? I don't know if you notice. If I turn a certain way, you can see there. Like- so for our Patreon preview, um, we will be doing this, I think, at like one of our lowest tiers, but my I'm gonna be working on like analyzing 2000s and 90s like CW TV shows. So I'm starting with Dawson's Creek. I am the queen of CW, so I literally have a list a mile long. But if you guys have any that you want us to do, send them along. And we will get real tipsy and talk about how how misogynistic they are all. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. Okay, guys. All right. Bye. Hi, Harlots. We just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Highlights of History. If you like what you heard today, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep bringing you more salacious, scandalous harlots. Our music is Nia Proxis, Frank Riddick by Lloyd Rogers from freemusicarchive.com. And our cover art and editing is by us. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> We love suggestions, tips, tricks, or just salacious details you think are interesting. So please reach out to us on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast or on Twitter at History Harlots or email us at Harlots of History Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, be a harlot, not a hater. Bye. Bye.